This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Just to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I'm, I'm not a problem with soccer to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! All what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. time again semi-final of the UEFA Champions League what a game we had today welcome in everyone in the house of champions today we got Michael Hood Jonathan Johnson and an angry yet happy <laughs> Nigel Rio Coker what's up boys Nigel I'll start with you what's up with your face that's how rumors start I'm not angry I'm very happy and I'm happy to see my boy JJ and I know you identify as a Rangers fan so whatever Michael is the kiss of Drake so Michael's just Michael <laughs> I'm happy to see you guys. You look very merry there. JJ, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, doing well. Thanks, guys. Took a couple of days off over the weekend. So happy to be back and uh, getting straight back into it. One of the biggest games of the season. Clearly the best buy guys have been visiting you because your internet is working perfectly. We can hear you crystal clear. I mean, it's great to see that, JJ. Michael, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing well. You know, I changed my kit. Had to change my shirt because I got a lot of heat. You didn't change that scarf, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's next week next week's pod next week's pod it's coming down <laughs> coming right, down what leads go down is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah. danger we, we do have a question coming in from Serge before we get started he says where's James Bench where's <laughs> yes, Bench <laughs> Where is James Benz? Even James Benz doesn't know where James Benz is right now. All right, let's get into it. Real Madrid, Manchester City, first leg of the semi-final of the UEFA Champions League. Uh, great goal from Vinicius Junior. 36 minutes into the game. The assist from Camavinga was absolutely class. One shot, one shot on target, one goal in the first half from Real Madrid. Golf clap there from everybody. And then into the second half we go. Real Madrid pretty much dominating the start of that second half before a moment of brilliance from Kevin De Bruyne, assisted by Gondolan. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, 14 goals for 23 assists in the Champions League from 68 games. Um, and I saw this statistic that popped out to me here. It said that his last nine Champions League goals were all in the knockout stages. I cannot confirm or deny that statistic right there. I just thought it was pretty cool and I thought I'd throw in there. Nigel, I'm coming to you first. This no, was... Come to me last. People... <laughs> come to me last. Producer Des, if you'd like to cut Nigel out of the show, that'd be great. Michael, I'll come to I you confirm. first yeah. on this one here. <laughs> okay. Um, listen, this was... Many people will say this was not a great watch. I 
loved oh. this game. I was standing up the whole time watching this game. Mm -hmm. I had no idea which way it was going to go. That's what I want from a semi-final first leg in the Champions League. Great game. Yes, I love that you say that because people who say that have no clue what they're talking about. This is what you want to see in a football match. This is edge-of-your-seat stuff. You could hear the crowd. The Santiago Bernabeu it is I, I almost say the theater of dreams, wrong moniker for the wrong club, but it felt that sort of like Shakespearean-esque, everything on the table. I know it's the first leg. It almost makes me wish that this was the second leg of this semifinal tie, but the big stars, they were all on display. And, and I was at a local pub with some local university kids, and we were just going through the lineups. Some of the best talents around the world in every position on the field just have to golf clap for that. But the goal by Vinny Jr., the quality of goals, the tactical acumen, the ways that both teams at different moments of the match impose their will. I mean, Real Madrid, they are a team of individuals that know how to cohesively put things together and make big plays. Manchester City, it's all about that team ethos. Pass, pass, pass. Get it to Holland and get the goals. But today, it was just a masterpiece in football. Didn't show in the scoreline, but if you know football, you enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was difficult not to enjoy a game like that, <clears throat> you know, especially sort of a, a battle of two completely different approaches. You know, you look at the lack of changes made by Pep Guardiola. And to be honest, I'm not really going to criticize that because I feel like Guardiola's game plan for this was to avoid defeat. I actually predicted a 1-1 draw, so I'm quite happy with myself in this one. But, you know, it felt like City went to Santiago Bernabeu to bring it back to Manchester with the tie still alive. They've succeeded in doing that. Real certainly sort of created, you know, the the better openings. I thought that Edison had a had a great game, made some very good saves, especially that one late on from uh, from Shuameni. Also made a, a good save from Benzema's header, and there was a bit of confusion about whether that was offside or not. But, you know, overall the performances were... Pretty much as I as I expected, I didn't think that Real would be as dominant as they were. City, I thought, were below par at times. It does feel like if City, you know, really turned up and you know play the way that they did, certainly in that first leg against Bayern Munich, then Real could be in trouble in that second leg. But in terms of a contest, you know, I really enjoyed this. I'm with you guys. I, you know, I thought it was really absorbing. Well, gentlemen, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> That's some rojo. I thought that was an absolute fascinating game of football. I'm with Ian, I'm with all of you. I think if you don't appreciate that, then you don't know nothing about football. These are two top teams with world-class players going at each other. And when you look at that game, you see how comfortable when you're at the highest levels, these players are in one-on-one -on -one situations. I probably would say, in my opinion, I don't think that City have any more to offer than what we saw today. The only difference that City can do is maybe starting Mares. I still feel Real Madrid, JJ, just jumping off what you said there, I feel Real Madrid are at their best with their backs against the wall. They mm. know the job isn't done. They're not going to win La Liga. They're going to go to the Etihad knowing what they have to do to win this tie and that's win that game there. And I feel that that's when you're going to see the best version of Real Madrid. I thought City were a little bit subpar at times in today's game. And then when you watch that game overall, you just feel that there's a lot more, I don't know if this is, if there's a lot more dynamism in Real Madrid than there is in Manchester City with the ability to create and make something kind of happen. And I've always, we've said it so many times, you can never rule out this Real Madrid side. I just thought it was just such a fascinating game of football. The individual battles that we saw, the duels, I talk about Rudiger starting against Haaland. 
And with Rudigan, the type of player that he's been, that I'm watching him in the Premier League, he's the type of defender that wants to defend first. His pride is saying, you're not going to score against me. That's yep. his pride. And I felt that was a great individual man-for-man battle. Carl Walker, I thought, had a great game against probably one of the best players in world football right now in Vinicius Jr. But at times, when they do link up, it's amazing to watch. And I think the one the big thing that I've also noticed today, I don't know if you guys noticed, we've had this conversation before in Erling Haaland. As much as a cheat code he is, when you get to the highest level of football, the beauty of the game, of having players who can do everything, there's a big difference when you look at Benzema's contribution and Haaland's contribution to the game. Benzema can score goals. He's a clinical finisher. He's unbelievable in everything that he does. But he has the ability to drop off, link up, play and get involved and make things happen for Real Madrid as another all-round footballer. The problem with Haaland is if he's not getting service, he's missing for large portions of the game. He's not as effective as another player. He's not going to pick up the ball, beat two or three players, link up and make something happen. You have to service him. And until Kevin De Bruyne has scored, Let's be real. He was missing for large portions of the game. He wasn't really too involved in that game of football. But I'm with you guys. I think that it was a fantastic game of football. And you have to appreciate the beauty of the highest level of football when it comes to players being comfortable in one-on-one -on -one situations, defending. I'm a big fan of Kamavinga. I think he's a sensational player and deserves a lot more credit Brilliant. than he gets. Modric was top class again. Kroos was okay. top class. And I just want to point one thing out, though, Nige, about Kamavinga. It was his turnover that led to the Madrid. Oh, come on, Michael. There was enough time to it win was, the ball back again. It I knew was you his turnover. That. I knew it you was were his turnover say that. that led to the Madrid goal. I thought he was outstanding. It didn't take away from the, the totality of his play, but it was that cross field pass. He could have hit it down the sideline. He could have done anything but, but he forced a pass in the middle, and that led City back in the game. But everything you all, everything you said, I agree with that. Let me just finish this part. Like I said, I've said it many times. Real Madrid are their best with their backs against the wall. Now Real Madrid know they have to go to the Etihad and win that game. You're going to see a different performance and a lot more urgency for them to win that game. I still feel the pressure is a lot more on Manchester City than it is on Real Madrid. That's I mean, it definitely will be, but I think it's always on City at this point, especially, uh, you know, with Pep Guardiola, you know, still chasing that Champions League success uh, outside of his initial ones with uh, with Barcelona. But I mean, I think that that Real Madrid goal showed exactly what they need to do when they go to Manchester. You know, it's that kind of goal that they're going to be looking to try and hit City with once again, because, you know, that's the kind of perfect uh you know kind of blueprint really for uh an, an away goal in a in a big champions league game like this and i'm glad that nigel jumped in and mentioned rudiger because he was messaging me privately during the game saying that it was a master stroke bringing him in i mean i think as well you know maybe Militao's suspension slightly um you know simplified carlo ancelotti's task uh i do think that Militao will be back for that second leg but i also thought alaba who's not always been available for real this season he's you know he's been sort of in and out of the team because of injuries you know he had a good game as well put in one very good uh tackle to deny harlan when it finally looked as if he would get a sniff at goal uh you know but i think overall uh you know real i, I wouldn't say that they deserved to concede that goal they were undone by a moment of brilliance probably you know city's best moments in the game uh you know it was a really well-worked goal I mean, you look at some of the players that were involved rodri uh you know finally you know shaking off what have been quite a subdued performance in order to win the ball back and then uh you know you had gundogan laying it off to him but you had uh bernardo silva and Grealish involved as well and it was a fine finish from de bruyne yeah he was not at his best 
at all times during the game. But still, it was a very, very neat finish. And it feels like it's really set it up now for the for the perfect second leg. And I'm curious to see how yeah. much of a, a sort of tactical battle this becomes between Guardiola and, uh, and Ancelotti, because we've not really seen... Pep show his hand just yet obviously no changes during the game and uh you know you do kind of feel that this one has the potential to go beyond 180 now I hear you listen great comments and I can see the boys are absolutely fired up we're 10 minutes into House of Champions it's the semi-final of the Champions League first leg Real Madrid won Manchester City won Ian Michael Nigel and JJ with you a couple of statistics from the game Vinny Jr. has now scored seven Champions League knockout stage goals for Real Madrid five of them came against Liverpool two against Manchester City now Edward Camavinga as you pointed out Michael what a great performance I thought he personally for me was man of the match even though he did give up possession of the ball right there I get it Uh, 20 years old and 180 days is the youngest player to deliver an assist in a Champions League semi-final game since Opta began collecting these stats in 2003 and 4, surpassing Trent Alexander-Arnold. He was 20 years and 212 days. And then we have seven of Kevin De Bruyne's 14 Champions League goals have come from outside the box since he joined Man City in 2015-16, highest percentage of anyone scoring from distance in the competition, 50% with a minimum of 10 goals. Now, uh, we do have a great comment coming in, obviously, talking about the defensive play. And I think, Nigel, this one was directed towards you here. Let me see if I can find it. Nigel, this is one from Vic. He says, Nigel, what's your take on the positions of Grealish and Silva? I think they hugged the lines too long uh, and couldn't get past the marking fullbacks. Now, I, I don't no. want you to answer that one. You okay. want to go You want to go quickly? I was just going to say, for me, uh, Real Madrid did the same thing with Vinicius and Rodrigo on the other side. That's what these top teams do. But the, the thing what you got yes. to understand is when top teams play against each other, when you watch Real Madrid, they do a lot of one-on-one defending. They're comfortable. If you're playing for Real Madrid, you have to be capable to defend one-on-one. And both fullbacks were capable and comfortable with it. There's nothing that you can do about it. It's just top players at the highest level going at each other, and it's an individual duels and battles. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, Mike, listen, going into this game, I was looking forward to seeing the Walker versus Vinny Jr. battle. And I tell you what, the applause that they had at the end of the game, they high-fived each other and said, we'll see you again next week. Like, that's what I love. I, I love the competitive nature. They both went at it. They were both brilliant in this game. But the battle for me on this field was not that. The battle for me was Grealish going up against Carvajal. I yes. got the popcorn on that one. <laughs> that was electrifying. I thought... Holy smokes, man. One of them's going to get red carded in this yep. game. One of them's going to get red carded in this tie. That was must-watch action. And now I'm waiting for the second leg. This could be pretty much explosive in the second leg between those two if they play. Well, the fuel is already doused on the field. It's doused on this tie. And now we need the match. And I think the fuse will be there in the second leg. Carvajal, he's an aggressive defender. Both he and Kamavinga, what they did well was they got tight. They didn't allow either winger to pick up their head, create some space. And I think for Madrid, when they imposed their will on the game, you saw Carvajal say, okay, I've got Jack Grealish. I didn't even recognize Jack Grealish was on the pitch in the second half. I was sitting there talking with some people, and I was like, oh, crap, Grealish is actually there with his headband and his big cabs. But where I think Man City could really make an impact, I think you're right, Nigel. I would have loved to see Riyad Mahrez in this match. I think we'll see him in the second leg. He's got a bit more pace. He's got a bit more guile and he could do that bit of extra where Grealish, it was one dimensional today, cutting on his right foot. And as soon as you get him rattled, as soon as you make it physical, that push in the back that Carvajal made, he was done from the game and the mind game started. I think Riyad Mahrez will give a little bit of an X factor and something different for them if he plays. I mean, just to add on to you, Mike, quickly, I think that's a bit of a scary thing when you think about it, though. That's the only real difference I see Man City being able to do. While Real Madrid, they've still got a lot of chink in the armour. And just to add on to that, just to jump on Amy's comment there about the goalkeepers, both of them deserve credit. You're so right. 
Top-class goalkeepers come up with a big moment. Kevin De Bruyne had a great chance in the first half that Courtois pulled a fantastic save on where you think that's a goal by Kevin De Bruyne. And then last minutes of the game, Chouamini. How was that pronunciation, JJ? Chouamini. I've heard, I've heard you do it better. I think you're slurring your words after those glasses of wine. Roja. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what a fantastic strike that was. When I mean, he, that's a sweet strike, sweet yeah. strike, and a big save there by Edison. And those are the moments that you need top class goalkeepers for. And they definitely do deserve credit for that. JJ, I got one for you. Carlo Ancelotti is equal to Alex Ferguson as the manager with the most games in the Champions League history, 190 each now, both of them masters at what they do. Um, I'm, I'm, really, this is a question for you is about what happened in the game from Ancelotti. You supply, surprised by his reaction there? Picked up the yellow card, thought the ball had maybe crossed the line uh, just ahead of the Manchester City goal there. We don't normally see that type of emotion from Ancelotti, but maybe recognising how big this game really is and how big the tie is. I mean, I think it's probably a reflection of more than just, you know, how big the game is and how big the tie is. Because let's be honest, for Carlo Ancelotti, this isn't really a big deal. He's been here plenty of times before. He's triumphed here. He's gone all the way. I think it's more a reflection of how pissed off he is at what's been going on sort of the last couple of months. Because if you listen to some of his press conferences in the lead up to games at the moment, there's always a question about his future. And he gets really sort of riled up and fed up with having to, to sort of comment on it all the time. You know, there's that speculation about is he going to take over the Brazil national team, all of that. And I think, you know, that kind of frustration just came to the fore here, probably because, yes, it is, you know, the biggest game, uh, you know, for the remainder of Real's season. Uh, well, certainly this in the second leg, uh, unless they get to the final. And, you know, I think that it means a lot because, you know, this now is the difference between an average season and, an, and another very good season. Because if Real go all the way and win the Champions League, they've added a Copa del Rey for the first time in nearly 10 years. You know, that is still, uh, you know, a big achievement. So that you can say that there's plenty riding on it and you can understand why Ancelotti is so emotionally invested. I hear you. I respect it as well. Gotta love what happened on the sidelines between these two masters that were in this game. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on House of Champions. More to come from this game when we return. Plus, we'll also get to some of your comments. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you're a U.S.-based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription from Serie A to the Champions League to NWSL and so much more in between. Not sure it's for you? Then you can try one month for free by using the code EUROPE. Welcome back, everyone. You're watching House of Champions. Enjoy Michael Hood, Jonathan Johnson, and Nigel Rio Coker. Let's get to some of the comments that are coming in right here. Sir saying that Carlito is pissed with the Brit media always playing down his job at RM. Scally Whiskey saying respect for the kings of Europe. Doubt Rihad Mares won't do better than Silva against Camavinga. That one comes in from RM Zidane, which is a great comment right there. Nigel, yeah. chuck? No, I was going to ask you a question. Now, yes. a famous ex, a famous. For a football player from England said today that if Pep Guardiola wins the Champions League that he's the greatest manager of all time. Do you agree with that statement? Hmm. No. Oh, uh, uh, Michael? No. JJ? I just needed to check that. Who I is I was yours, crazy. Nigel, then? Who's yours? Hmm, good. It's hard. I think, I mean, you talk about the greatest, you've got to talk about longevity and continuing success. And I think if you talk Champions League... Ancelotti's probably got to be the top one. He's won, what, four Champions League? With how many different yeah, the, clubs? The most, the most that's ever won it, yes. Yes, Ancelotti. So you've got to say he's probably the greatest. You can't say Pep Guardiola is the greatest. I'm sorry. And I think it's a different conversation when you look at different dynamics as well because everywhere that Pep's gone, he's had money to spend. Where has he been? He's had to build something himself. That's just a separate thing. But it's just interesting to bring it up. A discussion to be had later on in another edition of the House of Champions. Let's get back to the game. And before we do touch upon what's going to happen in the second leg, JJ, I'll come to you on this one here. Um, Obviously, the second half, Manchester City were defending a lot. And I thought they defended very well in that second half. Real Madrid were putting the pressure on, but couldn't really find a way through. Many people will say that Real Madrid were dominating that second half. But City actually defended incredibly well. Your overall thought in the second half from Manchester City, and of course, that's when they got the goal, thanks to Kim De Bruyne. Yeah, I mean, I thought that City improved when Stones woke up. He looked a bit jittery sort of early on in the first half, didn't look sort of his usual assured self and then grew into the game much, much more. And I think, uh, you know, for me, Diaz was sort of more consistent over the, the the full 90 minutes. Made a fantastic block, by the way, in the first half before Real got that opening goal, because if he leaves that or he intercepts poorly, you know, that goes in, it's an own goal, or Benzema's there just to tuck it away, would have been an easy finish. So I do think there's a lot to be said for, for City's back line. And I think it reflects it as well when you look at the setup of that back four, because you've got Walker and Akanji on either side as well, who can quite easily tuck in and be central defenders at times. So, you know, for me, I think that Stones, you know, kind of plays a, a role that reminds me a little bit of Marquinhos at PSG, where he's able to sort of step into midfield, as you see here, uh, you know, in the graphic, but, you know, can also spend time in the back line as well, which, uh, you know, I think gives you a lot of tactical flexibility and perhaps is one of the reasons why Guardiola didn't feel like he needed to make any substitutions in the end, because it's interesting to see how Laporte has kind of fallen out of favour, uh, you know, over the course of this season, still a, a fine defender, but sort of doesn't give that same kind of metal, those same kind of assurances that you get from a Diaz or a Stones. Uh, you know, so I think that this right now is probably the most watertight setup that City can put out on the pitch. 
I think where City got themselves in trouble for as much as Madrid didn't get the end product correct, they looked very dangerous. They looked like they were going into another gear. We've seen this from them in the Champions League. As the game goes on, the experience factor comes on. The big game nature of Real Madrid comes to fruition. And I really think that that transition that you see from City when they go with that back three to back four where John Stones goes, I think the goal happens that way where Stones is transitioning from midfield. And it's so hard when you're a center back, when you're used to running back to get back in that back four line to then go and apply pressure to the Vinicius Jr. shot. Who who did I say was going to have a good game? Vinny Jr. Thank you, James Bench. And back to the nature at hand. Um, I always lose my train of thought with this. But the players in Manchester City, when I look at the totality of the game, Ilkay Gundogan did not have a good game. He had the assist to the, the Kevin De Bruyne goal, but he gave away a lot of balls in midfield. Yellow card. And the yellow card as well. And I think that's down to how Madrid, they looked fresher. And keep an eye on the number of games Manchester City are playing. Every three days, they're playing games. The fatigue factor might catch up with them in the second leg. Yeah, I'm glad that Mike said that actually about Gundogan because it was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance from both him and Rodri. I think I said early on that sort of Rodri was kind of out of the game and then came back into it a bit later on because he wins the goal in the build-up to De Bruyne's uh, equaliser. But also, you know, I think with, with Gundogan, he was locating Haaland or looking for Haaland normally where you'd find him. And, you know, Haaland, for me, was kind of playing within himself on the night. So some of those passes didn't necessarily... Uh, you know, get sort of the the end product that they might have deserved usually. But equally, there seem to be some pretty bizarre decisions. And I think that sort of weakness in the midfield, uh, you know, was no better exemplified by the moment in the build-up to Rail's opening goal where Rodri is, he's literally chasing at shadows at time. All Modric has done is kind of flick the ball around the corner with the side of his foot. You know, half-fit Modric because we were speculating before the game, would he start, would he not? And that, you know, for me, was one of the battles that City spent the majority of this game losing, I feel. Yeah, great point there. And I tell you what, Modric made these runs, JJ, like late stages in the, in the first half, second half. I can't remember if it was early in the second half or late in the first half. But he'd make these runs that City just didn't pick up. It's almost as if City didn't prepare for him to be making these runs into the channel. And every single time, Real Madrid, just a little pass in behind and they had a real opportunity from those wide areas. But then they had trouble really penetrating inside that box, which was, um, in my opinion, a big disappointment, especially when they were at home in front of their own supporters. Now, we, we saw obviously tremendous scenes as Real Madrid were arriving to the stadium today. Uh, Nigel, as you look at the scenes of them arriving, this is something spectacular. They had that behind them at the Bernabeu, but they're not going to have this now when they go to City, to the Etihad, or whatever it's called now, City of Manchester Stadium. I don't even know what it's called. But when they go there, they won't have that backing. But you still believe that Real Madrid, with their backs up against the wall in this second leg, can win and go through? Ian, they'll, they'll remember this. And before they leave to go for that second leg, we probably won't see it a lot, but I'm sure they'll be made aware of what it means to this football club right now. So I always feel that they're they're best with their backs against the wall. And I feel that we're going to see a different animal. I think we're going to see a lot more clinical, a lot more aggressive Real Madrid at the Etihad or the City of Manchester, whatever you want to bloody call it, as long as you don't call it Ibrox. But um, yeah, I I, I really do. I think that they'll be ready for it and... um, it's, it's going to be a great second leg, honestly. If you really appreciate football at the highest level and understand individual battles and personnel and what it is, 
this is the game you want to watch. It, it really is. And I think that the second leg is going to be like a Champions League final. Are we really kidding ourselves, though, that City of Manchester Stadium, Etihad Stadium, whatever we're going to call it in this show, actually, you know, intimidates players in terms of the atmosphere no. it generates? I don't think no. it does. No. It definitely doesn't. Do do I remember do playing do there it. and I smashed one prick who used to play there as well. <laughs> and he went off. There's a reason why you don't see the videos. We have to stop this video now with Nigel very quickly before he gets himself suspended from our show. Uh, but there's a reason why they don't show the bus rolling into the city of Manchester Stadium because every time they go to a red light, they have to rush through it. They can't stop because they might steal the wheels if they stop at a red light around that area of Manchester. I remember going, I remember going to the game at Main Road. Moss side Manchester. And I pulled up at the light thinking, where on earth am I right now? There is no way you could pay me to get out of this vehicle right now. Moss side Manchester. You must have played there, hey. Nigel, at Main Road. I didn't play at Main Road. No, I played at the Etihad because I wasn't there for that Main your Road. Old, I am. But, uh, <laughs> the, the Listen, JJ, there's, there's, there's a few stadiums where on a night like this, like I'll be honest with you, Anfield, when there's a big game at stake, the atmosphere that Liverpool fans can generate in that stadium is absolutely bone tingling. Like if you played for Liverpool, it literally is. If you can't play in the atmosphere, you should never play football. But Manchester City, it's still new. It's very corporate. It doesn't create the atmosphere of intimidation. Nowhere. It is near a it. fortress, though, Nigel. It has become a fortress for Manchester City. I would say it's. It's. I still think it's too corporate. I think because of how the stadium's been built, it's not really. It's the same thing as people discuss where you talk about Upton Park what that used to be like in big nights yeah. to what the London stadium is like. It's not the same. The fans are trying it, but it's not the same. But mm -hmm. for me, when you see that of Real Madrid fans, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be a phenomenal second leg. But we could tell the story about after dark, what Manchester City player that I smashed and he ran into the tunnel <laughs> after. <laughs> Just laying in us, smashed him in the middle of the pitch. Oh, you know how much we look forward to those after dark episodes and uh, mm -hmm. it's definitely on uh, producer Dez's hit list or at least I hope it is because uh, you know I think we've got so much material now that it's going to make a, a fantastic at least three-part series but no I mean looking forward to that second leg it does feel like it's finally set up for that uh, and also as well I think it really depends on which side makes the the brighter start because if City look sort of as subdued and sort of second-guessing themselves in the same way that they were after the opening sort of 10, 15 minutes here, then the City fans are going to start getting, you know, a bit jittery, uh, you know, and the Real fans that are present are going to be emboldened by that. And, you know, I do think as well, there's going to be that sort of nagging feeling in the, in the home crowd as well, at least until City score that, you know, it could be sort of last year all over again. Because I think we're all just... Maybe that's why so many people were complaining about this first leg in the first place, because they're thinking back to last year and they're like, where are the goals? You know, and, and I think we forget too easily that last year was a real, it was quite a slow burner because the goals just basically came right at the end and in uh, in extra time. So, you know, for me, I think that this has still got a long way to go in that second leg and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm glad you said that, JJ. And quick for me is I think the subs. City didn't use any of their subs today. They do have players that can come on and make a difference. So do Real Madrid. You look at the Copa del Rey, you have the likes of Marco Sensio, who that guy has been a big game player. He's not the same player he was when he first burst onto the scene in Madrid colors, but you have the likes of Chiumeni coming on. And 
you saw the difference when they came on. They could have pipped one at the end, and this could have been a whole different storyline. I don't expect Pep Guardiola to play the same 11 for 90 minutes or beyond, but I think the likes of Julian Alvarez, he could be a big, big factor if he comes on late in the game. Mike, I'm coming back to you on this one here. Obviously, the fixtures coming up to the Real Madrid half Tafe coming up here. Everton against Manchester City. Everton, um, fantastic recently, by the way. There's a bit of spirit, actually, within yeah. their team. They look good uh, last game out, um, and they look dangerous last game out. Not an easy place to go play ahead of that Real Madrid game. So now, how important is rotation for Pep Guardiola? I mean, he has basically yeah. two world-class 11s. How important is rotation? What rotation are you expecting for that Everton game ahead of then going into the second leg? I think you're going to see quite a bit of rotation. Maybe your 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 key figures, I think, are Erling Holland because he'll want to get back in goal-scoring form. I think a goal will do him a ton of good to get ready for the second leg. Expect him to start, but I don't expect to see Kevin De Bruyne on the starting 11. We saw it in the last game before this tie, about six changes coming into it. I expect wholesale changes. Now, the players who are well-rested on the bench, they are still very good players who will be chomping at the bit because now you are playing for a spot. In that second leg, if you're Riyad Mahrez, if you're Julian Alvarez, you could be playing very well to start and pip someone that didn't have the best of games in the first leg. So it's all to play for in that city dressing room. JJ, your thoughts on this game at the weekend against Everton? I mean, the Toffees are doing pretty well right now. It's not an easy place to go play for City because they're going to have to work their socks off. Yeah, I actually, sort of picking my scores for the run-in, I actually went for Everton to get a point here. I thought it was going to be the only time that City kind of slip up in the run-in, but Obviously, I didn't expect that Everton would go and deliver that thrashing uh, to to Brighton the other day. So, I I don't know. It'll be tight. It really wouldn't surprise me if it's a score draw. Do you know what, JJ? I mean, you're on great simple minds right here. I predicted 1-1 for tonight. And I also predicted, I think I predicted a draw for the Everton game as well. It was the only points I saw City dropping with Everton fighting for their lives. Prediction time. Nigel Rio Coker, you want to go first? For what? What we're predicting? Well, I mean, we got to predict now who goes through and what you think is going to happen in the second leg. That would probably Listen, be a great start. I think City were great today and I think City will probably be great again in the second leg. But I just feel that Real Madrid have too much to edge them. And I've seen Real Madrid at their best with backs against the wall. No La Liga, nothing else to play for but the Champions League now. Man City are still trying to do the treble. And we're just discussing about changes, the games and everything. So I think in the same time, we've got to give a lot of credit to Sir Alex Ferguson and the United that did that treble of how difficult it is to manage all of that. But I'm going to go for Real Madrid to go through. Michael Hood. I said it going into the preview, and I stick by what I said. And Ian, your eyeballs almost shot out through your glasses when I said it. Real Madrid will qualify, not just to qualify, will qualify, and it will happen in extra time. Two prize fighter. In the middle of the ring, they're not going to give up. It's, it's going to go the distance, and someone's going to be a hero of a lifetime. JJ, you've always said that Real Madrid, you know, when their backs are against the wall, this is their competition. Are you agreeing with these two? You know what? I do agree with Mike. I'm going for a draw after 180 minutes. I think it's going to be 1 1 again. And I think that Real will deliver in extra time. I'm going to go for a 2 1 Real win. I have nothing, nothing against Real Madrid at all, whatsoever. Respect their history, respect them in this competition, have bet against them many a time, even last year when they went on to win it. But I see City going through, man. I just see this being a good result. 
reminds us one one at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid. One away one. goals I don't count, Ian. And this is the same <laughs> Ian who said from now on. Hold on, wait. This is the same Ian, ladies and gentlemen. From now on, Borussia Dortmund are going to win every game of the season to win the league, the Bundesliga, right? They still can, bro. Have you seen Bayern? <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, bro. Nigel, I'll go as far as to say City to score three goals in the second. What? Like, for four, four, three Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I How much of that wine did you drink, Nigel? Can you believe what you're hearing? <laughs> God, bro, I don't know. Ian had more wine than me if he's saying that. There's a lot of people in the comments who disagree with me as well. Amy saying, I do miss CR7 on Real Madrid. Del Boy saying, backs against the wall, Nigel. That's, uh, that's, that is me in the prison shower and someone drops the soap. Musto <laughs> jumping. <laughs> Musto jumping in and saying, I still think Real Madrid had a couple of hand moments and it should be a penalty. Their handball calls were certainly an issue today, but don't get me started on handballs. Ed saying, I'm praying that Manchester City do not win the treble, but it just feels like it's written in the stars. Thank you, Ed. Vic saying, no, City will make it. Thank you, Vic. Ed jumping back in and saying, I still think City will win. Uh, Real Madrid will win at the Etihad. That comes over H-A-S-T-A-A-R, whatever your name is there. RM Zidane, I wonder where he's going to go with this one. I think Real Madrid has a very good chance of advancing Despite the second leg being at Manchester, Mares won't do any better against Camavinga. Eduardo was an absolute steal purchase for 34 million. Real quickly, JJ, before we do go to break, Camavinga, you've obviously watched him very closely coming up through the ranks, getting this massive move. What's a performance? I mean, he's playing, he can play in multiple positions, but seeing him playing in this position and playing in the fashion that he's playing, fabulous, man. Absolutely fabulous. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And I think as well, his physical development over sort of the last 12 to 18 months has been really impressive because when that opportunity opens up for him to potentially move into midfield, which let's face it, you know, could happen. I do think that Real will probably move on from Ferland Mendy uh, and, you know, will probably bring in somebody who's more of a positional specialist than Camavinga is. But if you put this Camavinga back into midfield on a regular basis, sort of when they're rebuilding in the, the after Tony Kroos and after Luka Modric era, that is going to be a really mean midfield. You know, when you've got Camavinga, Chouameni, Valverde, uh, you know, I think they really Bellingham. are separate. <laughs> Bellingham Jude. too. <laughs> Luca, Luca, and Crows for another year as well. Holy smokes, that's hey, going to be some. They're going to be signing ten-year contracts at this rate. <laughs> You'd be upset learning under those two class players. All right, producer Brez is yelling at us to get to break. Uh, you are watching. Before we get to break, break, are we just break. let's go. Let's go right now before comment. Nigel says anything that will get us all in trouble. Are we going to ignore right that now, shower no, comment? No, so no, drop in the shower. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Prison Talk and Dropping the Soap and Shower. This is Ian Joy alongside Michael Hood, Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson. Just kidding. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. Uh, let's get into the action tomorrow. AC Milan against Inter Milan. Producer Des has put some great notes here for me to read out for you. Uh, some comments from the presser. Stefano Pioli said who he was sacked by Inter Milan six years ago. Today discussed Rafael Leao in today's presser. He's worked on the grass 
Tomorrow he'll try to push, and then we'll see if he's good to play. He also added, I'm going to bed peacefully tonight. Rafa and the doctor will inform me of players' conditions. If Leao is fine, he'll be called up. If he is not well, he will not be called up. I've often used Salamakers in training on the left-hand side, and he's always looked good. He has excellent characteristics, and we'll see what choices I will make tomorrow. Thoughts on that one right there, Michael Lahoud. This isn't the final. This is a big game. It's a derby. Emotions run high. But if you risk your best player who has gotten you to this point, who's been your best player from last season, reigning Serie A player of the year, and you overdo it and overcook it, it is not worth it. You still have the second tie. I expect Rafa Leal to, at best, be on the bench. You save him for the second leg because it's not like you're going that far down the road. You are playing at the same stadium with a very familiar opponent, and you're playing against an Inter Milan team that – will try and be physical. Inter will know that Leal is coming off an injury and they will try and hurt him or be very physical. It's the nature of football, but I wouldn't risk it. JJ? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, this one reminds me a bit of um, when PSG were coming into that first leg against Bayern and there was all that speculation about Mbappe. Sometimes when you have that kind of debate regarding one individual you kind of overshadow sort of what the team is capable of of achieving. And obviously, Leao has been a huge part of that, you know, played a a phenomenal, uh, you know, uh, assist for for Giroud against uh, Napoli. But, you know, Milan's, you know, hopes don't sort of live and die by whether Leao, uh, you know, is able to feature in this one. I think what really needs to happen is they need to get this right tactically. That's on Pioli to, to sort Milan out. You know, realistically, this this tie is really unique in that neither team is going to feel like they're playing an away leg at all. Yeah, sure, it's going to be sort of, I'm not going to say strange because they do it every season, but, you know, they're going to be at home, but there's going to be sort of, you know, not their fans, uh, you know, for one of the games. But I feel like if Milan can deliver the right performance tactically, they won't be as overawed in the in the second leg when they're considered, uh, you know, the away team at San Siro. So for me, I think this one's all about sort of hanging in there, almost setting up for this one, kind of like Pep Guardiola set up City against Real, you know, knowing that if they come away with the draw, that's great. That's what they came for. Uh, you know, if it's sort of a narrow defeat, might not be the end of the world, but maybe not expecting to, to win. But equally, I think you also look at Milan's situation in the league at the moment, and there's now a sense of urgency that's kind of added to the situation by the way that they're sort of dropping down the rankings and possibly could even drop out of contention for Europe altogether. So I can understand why there is that temptation to try and throw Liao in. But, you know, if Pioli bends to that, um, you know, I think that really risks derailing, uh, you know, Milan's season before these these two legs have even played out. Yeah, I don't want to regurgitate what these two fine gentlemen have said, but they're 100% right. Um, I think the only... Who are you laughing at? Regurgitate? You never heard that word before? I have, but not said like that. Just piss off. Anyway, (laughs) listen. I think that the only thing I can add to what Michael and JJ have said is this. I'll pay attention to the experience of Inter Milan. And like Michael said, if you force Rafael out to play, Inter Milan are wise heads... Sometimes you got to win, you got to win dirty. They will target Rafael Leal when they know he's not fully fit and not at his best. I think the experience is going to play a big part in this game. Rafael Leal definitely is a match winner, but at this stage of the Champions League, it's a lot about tactics. You have to be smart. You're not going to win it in the first leg. You know, you very rarely see at this stage of Champions League that teams are absolutely battered and they're out of the competition. So 
like you said, it's about patience approach. You've got the second leg to come. If you can get Rafael Leal to be ready for that second leg, he is a match winner. But at the same time, let's not forget, Inter Milan do have a match winner in, 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 in Zagi's been using Roman Lukaku the right way. Might not start him, but he's someone who can definitely come on as the game starts to die down to be an impact player and get that goal. And, um, and Ian, what's the name of the young kid who's starting again for Rafael Leal? I, I can't pronounce his bloody name. Uh, Salamakers. Yeah, Salamakers. I like him. Yes. I like him a lot. Yeah, very good. I think he, he's very good to come in to fill in for Rafael Leal. He's a uh, Belgium, right? From Belgium. Yeah, and uh, the, he got commented, obviously, by Pioli here. Let's, uh, Mike, turn our attention to Inter and Inzaghi. He was responding to Pioli, who were saying Inter are favourites in this game. He said, not favourites. We have seen the matches are all stories in themselves. We don't hide, and we know that with heart and head, we want to play it together in the best possible way, knowing that it would be a huge step to take with determination, running, and aggression right there. Playing on the fence right here, but just a couple of the, the, the results... <laughs> Um, Empoli nil, Inter three, Inter one, Juve nil, Inter three, Lazio one, Hellas Verona nil, Inter six, and then they obviously beat Roma by two goals nil at the uh, weekend. Inter are in great form going into this one. They've got Lautaro playing incredibly well. I know we're talking about obviously Lukaku maybe being an impact player from the bench. Maybe he starts in this game. We don't know which way they want to play. But Lautaro, even though his stats are not great in the Champions League, he's red hot right now. He's a player that they need to get red hot. He's been missing in action for much of this Champions League campaign. I think he was seen last at the camp now in that crazy 3-3 draw against FC Barcelona, then went on vacation, maybe got left in Qatar for the World Cup, and then decided to show up again in the second leg of the last round. This is a player that at different times he's been their captain, such a focal part of how they play and him and head and Jekyll when they're not playing well inter Milan have still found ways to get results this inter team is not just built on just them getting goals it's really the back line and their goalkeeper that have been the the, the best players in this knockout round Andre Onana he will have to be excellent again across these two games and their entire back line Bastoni's been world-class through in the knockout round I've been impressed with him DeMarco's yep. really come up and the midfield three I think the game is really going to go down to what happens in which team defends well. AC Milan, they defended Napoli really well in the last tie. Inter defended both Portuguese teams very well. Whichever team is more solid defensively gives the extra edge. So what you're saying is I have a chance with my prediction of this game ending nil-nil, Michael Hood. Listen, I think it's safe to say that the semifinals, we have four top-class goalkeepers here oh, yeah. who will probably have the biggest say as to which teams we see in the final. And in particular with this tie, Manyan on the other side um, against Onana, I mean, these are two world-class goalkeepers going head-to-head -head here that will definitely be called upon, I would imagine, more so than we saw from Ederson today and Courtois today, who were both excellent in their own respects. Um, I don't want to ask you guys for a prediction anymore. Let's just move on because Why? producer Des is recognizing. You, you want to go, Nigel? What's your prediction? Oh, yeah. I'm going for go an Inter, Mil Inter Milan win. And producer Des wants us to move on now, so no time for you, Mike <laughs> and JJ. We love you both, <laughs> respectively. Uh, final thoughts before we do get out of here. Obviously, Messi to Saudi Arabia is picking up steam here. The move has been reported in um, the uh, AFP. Uh, Messi's camp denies the story, however. If I'm not mistaken, it was uh, George, his father, who said there's absolutely nothing agreed with any club for next season. We will decide at the end of the season, nothing is signed, agreed, or verbally agreed, only fake news using Leo's names. Messi's representatives are understood to have met 
met with three potential clubs, Al Nasir, Al Hilal, and Al Etihad, Etihad uh, as well as Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. Don't we all know that? JJ, I'm coming to you on this one because obviously this one's very complicated situation. He's now back at training. Can you maybe give us an update on that one? And what's your overall thought on this recent statement? Yeah, he is back in training, which was an interesting one. Um, I mean, with regards to the statement, doesn't surprise me. Because let's face it, you know, if Messi ends up deciding that he wants to go to Saudi Arabia, that offer is still going to be there in a couple of months' time. It's not going to go away. But we know that Messi's priority is to stay in Europe. You know, he still wants another crack at the Champions League. And realistically, for him to achieve that or to ha- to even have a chance of that, he needs to give Barcelona maximum time because they can't just make the changes needed in order to, to try and bring him in overnight. Uh, you know, it's going to take a lot of sort of financial gymnastics, uh, a lot of unexpected transfers, players being sacrificed. Uh, you know, there's also been some reports earlier today suggesting that Barca are very close to confirming that Sergio Busquets is going to be leaving the club. Uh, you know, could that perhaps pave the way for Messi to return one last time? It's difficult to imagine. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, when you sort of separate the the kind of romantic element of it, I mean, it's hard to imagine any club in Europe really sort of wanting to take a risk on a on a veteran Lionel Messi after two, let's face it, unsuccessful years with PSG, despite the fact that the second has been much better than the first. Uh, in terms of his situation with PSG right now, he is back in training, trained individually on Monday, which was a bank holiday in France, and the day after a, a win over Troyes anyway. But he trained today with his teammates. So now it creates an interesting dynamic o- ahead of the weekend. Could he feature against Ajaxio? You know, will PSG potentially throw him to the Lions of the, the fans who were there chanting outside of the offices last week? I guess we'll see soon. But uh, no, it's... Um, Certainly one that feels like it's got plenty of legs uh, ahead of this summer. But for me, I'd be really surprised if Messi made an early decision. I think for me, Ian, um, with this whole Messi situation, I'm just going to throw something random out there, just randomly out there. JJ says that Messi wants to stay in Europe, right? More than likely, Newcastle United are going to make the Champions League. They need a marquee signing. Messi goes there, plays Champions League football. He'll be a god in uh, in Newcastle. Got in tight. Why are you? Wait, wait, wait. Ian, why are you coming your head for? Plays there. Then from there, later on, you can go to Saudi Arabia. Just All right. I see, I see your Messi in Geordie Land, and I raise you Neymar at St. James's Park. I know the Neymar was yes. going to happen. Yeah. No, but honestly, in all seriousness, though, I wouldn't, I don't know. I just personally feel I wouldn't rule out the Saudi thing. That That's why mm. I would not rule out for Lionel Messi. I know people say about him coming to the MLS, getting shears in a club. And I've had conversations with people saying that I'm like, the money he's being offered in Saudi Arabia, he could buy any football club in the world and have his own football club. Why would he come to the MLS just for shares when he can buy a full football club? So it's always going to be open. I know people are like, oh no, but he doesn't need the money, doesn't do it for the money. Yeah, right. Have you seen billionaires recently? The owners of NBA and NFL teams, they're not very generous people. They always want to still make more money and pay their players less. So anyone who says they'll turn down 500 million a year you're lying to yourself. You're absolutely Messi, lying. Messi was just fined two weeks' wages, which, according to the media, JJ, is around about two million, right? And then uh, probably got paid eighteen million for actually missing. For his trip, exactly. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, I actually, actually, I would, I would add on the punishment that it's been cut in half. So that's why he was back in training, sort of like after that, uh, 
after that very sort of hostage style uh, apology that uh, came out towards the end of last week, suddenly you know PSG have, have viewed it favorably, and uh, and and the punishment is less harsh than it was uh, initially. Can I throw one last nugget in here before we do get the break? Oh, and does uh, fire me? <laughs> um, Manchester City, Lionel Messi, any chance? That could happen. Oof. I would not rule that out. If I'm honest, I wouldn't. If Messi's but on surely, that field, surely that again. Surely that would have to come from Guardiola, though, because if you're a Premier League club, especially one in Europe, and you're looking at a 36-year-old Lionel Messi and expecting him to stand up to the rigours of not just the Premier League, the League Cup, the FA Cup, and doesn't the Champions every game, League JJ. as well. No, he doesn't JJ. have to play every game, but you need to be able to rely on him for the wages you're going to be paying him. They will rely on him because look at the things that he's got around him. Erling Haaland with Lionel Messi's vision. Oh my God! Forget about um, but then what does what, do, as well. what? But what does that suddenly do to Alvarez? It, 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 well. I know. I, I was saying. I was thinking. Look at the smile on his face. He's just. What? He just wound it up. He's just thrown it. In the... You know what? Forget all Love of you. Love you, boys. And who is it? Where is it? Scally. Never ever go against me, Scally, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> End of the show with a Dexter theme. Scally. Love to hear. Hey, listen, thanks to everybody for listening to House of Champions. Take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. As you can see, the show is for you. House of Champions is for you. Um, CBS Sports giving us this platform to be able to be free, to be able to speak in the way and the mannerism that we want to, though, because we love this game. And clearly you can see we enjoy a little bevy before we come on air or in some cases, wow, we're on air. And therefore, you get the best possible show uh, and honesty from us. So we hope you appreciate um, our time and we hope you appreciate our show. Make sure you like, subscribe, share the show best you possibly can if you feel the same. Uh, Boys, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Enjoy tomorrow night. I will not be here tomorrow night. James Benj is hosting tomorrow night for the nil-nil recap of AC Milan and Inter. We'll see you all then. (laughs) 